Well, let's celebrate the future. Spend the next half hour or so with me as we think about what God is calling us to do and to be here at UPC. Turn in your Bible again, please, with me to Psalm 145, or if you'd prefer, the words will be up on the screen in just a moment. Psalm 145, where we've been all morning. And uh, while you're turning to that, let me make a couple of quick announcements. One is we have an annual report that is available for you. Probably one per household would be a good thing to make sure that we have enough. And so when on your way out today, please pick one of these up. It will give you a lot of stuff about past, present, and future that we don't have time to talk about this morning. The other thing I want you to pick up is we uh, des- actually Scott Williams designed this bumper sticker for us. And we appreciate this, Scott. Uh, we have some bumper stickers that are out on the, the welcome desk. Pick one or two up. Put them on your car uh, to, to prove your loyalty. Yeah? It's a test. Um, just kidding. Uh, but I really like that, and I think that's a great thing. Also, inside your bulletin, last announcement, there is an officer nomination form. Once again, let me tell you that you, as a member of our church, have an important responsibility to nominate men for the offices of elder and deacon. So be thinking, praying about that. Be sure to uh, sign it and print your name so that we know who you are. And there's a little typo at the bottom of the page. It's not meant to be handed in by uh, September 2007. That would be very hard. But to hand it in by September uh, 30th, 2008. So we would appreciate you doing that. Psalm 145, where we've already been this morning, verses 13 through 21. Listen carefully to God's word. The Lord is faithful to all his promise. Uh, Sorry, I, I went too far. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his name, his holy name, forever and ever. The word of the Lord. We keep coming back again and again to that psalm. I hope you noticed this morning that this psalm is about a king. It is about a king, a great king. It says in verse 1, I will exalt you, my God, the king. And I will praise your name forever and ever. And as you read down through the psalm, I wish we could take time to pick it apart. Because verse after verse just describes the kind of king that we have. Let me list some of the attributes of our king for you that are in this psalm. He is majestic. He's powerful. He's kind and loving. He's trustworthy. He is giving. He is righteous. He is accessible. He is just. He is holy. This is the king we have here at UPC. He is the one that birthed our church. He is the one that sustains it. He is the one who will keep it going for his glory and the good of all people. But not only is this psalm about a king, it is also about a kingdom. 
the very first, one of the very first verses I read, up there in verse 13, says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. Verse 11 said that they will tell of the glory of your kingdom. Verse 12 mentions this phrase, the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Over and over again, God not only being our king, but being the king of a kingdom. Now it's important that we know what does kingdom mean. There are a lot of distorted ideas about kingdom out there in the world, but I hope you know that what kingdom is, according to verse 13, is God's dominion over the universe. God has a kingdom, and it is the entire universe. And when we see the word kingdom, that's telling us that God is ruling over it all. He's ruling, He's reigning, and here's the most important thing for our purpose this morning. Not only is God simply ruling over His kingdom, but He's restoring all things for His glory and for our joy. God is fixing things that are broken. When I say all things, I mean all things. Did you notice again and again as I was reading this passage today, the word all or every, it's in there 19 different times. And so I'll say it again, that the kingdom of God is God's ruling over everything and restoring everything for His glory and for our joy. Take a look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. These verses speak of the same thing. It says, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Christ, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. We all have been having Hurricane Ike on our minds as Gary just prayed, but it wasn't that many years ago that we all remember Hurricane Katrina. My son-in-law is a Presbyterian minister in Gulfport, Mississippi. And, of course, Gulfport was one of many places that saw terrible devastation from Hurricane Katrina. And uh, he and a lot of people that were in here, my wife and I was visiting there, and I saw that on the back of those T-shirts were printed the words from Revelation 21, verse 5, Behold, I am making all things new. You see, kingdom means that God is making all things new. He's bringing order out of chaos, beauty out of ashes, dancing out of mourning, hope out of hopelessness, redemption out of rebellion. That's kingdom. But are we simply naive to believe in God's kingdom? When we look around us and see all of the problems that are in our world, Gary prayed for some of these things that we notice because when we look around, we don't always see kingdom, do we? Instead, what we often see is brokenness. We see the ravages of sin in nature and in culture and in humanity. We see war and tension between nations. We pick up the newspaper every morning and the newspaper is filled with story after story about crime and hate and injustice and hurricanes and missing children and all kinds of problems. And it's everywhere. I live in Eastwood. Eastwood is a very beautiful community. We have clean, tree-lined streets in Eastwood. We have an elementary school, one of the best. 
We have tennis courts, a swimming pool, a clubhouse. A few weeks ago, four houses down from my house, a man hung himself in his garage. About a week ago, a mile from my house, and you know, a lot of you know about this, there was an accident on Alafaya Trail, and two young men in their prime died. Think of the area here, right around UPC. A few months ago, what happened in Blanchard Park? A woman was attacked and brutally killed. Think of poverty. 12.5% of the people who reside in 32817, that's the zip code around the church, 12.5% of them live below the poverty line. 42% of the students at Riverdale Elementary School are on the free lunch program. East Orange County has the second highest concentration of homeless people in all of Orange County. There are 28,000 men and women and children living within our 32817 zip code area. I wonder how many of them have not yet put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. How many of them are on their way to hell this morning? There is pain everywhere you look. There are husbands and wives struggling to hold their marriage together, and many of them have thrown in the towel. There are children who are abused and neglected by parents too busy to care. There are teenagers and adults locked in the grip of addiction. And I guess you're aware that we have a Muslim mosque just a few houses down the street here on Rouse Road. I go by there on Fridays and it is packed out of people looking for answers. People like you, people like me. So Psalm 145 says God's king. He's got a kingdom. Are we just naive to believe this? What is the disconnect between Psalm 145 and reality? I mean, if God is king, where is he? And what's he doing? If there is a kingdom, where is it? Here's the answer. Our king is alive and well. And the kingdom of God is among us and within us and around us. And no matter how messed up this world is, the kingdom of God is showing up. You know why I know that? Because I know people like Aaron Horvat and others. The kingdom of God is showing up every Saturday in Downey Park where folks from UPC go out and feed the homeless. The kingdom of God is showing up every Sunday morning right down there at the end of Rouse Road in the Life Care Center where teams of our people go and put on a worship service for the residents there. The kingdom shows up over at University High School where our people are helping those students understand math. The kingdom shows up at the True Life Choice Pregnancy Center where some of our folks are involved in giving hope to frightened young unwed mothers. The kingdom shows up when you parents get involved in your kids' education. It shows up when you husbands and wives decide to go to counseling instead of throwing the towel in on your marriage. It shows up when you work hard at your job. It shows up when you study hard at your school because you love Jesus. The kingdom shows up when you meet with your life group and love on one another. The kingdom shows up when you smile at the cashier. 
It shows up when you don't blow your horn at the person in front of you at the traffic light. The kingdom of God shows up when you love your neighbor, when you spend time with your kids, when you invite a friend to RUF, when you speak to somebody you've never met before here at church, when you teach a Sunday school class, when you put up a tent, and when you do a whole host of other things because you love Christ. See, the kingdom of God... Now, forgive me, I'm from South Carolina. The kingdom of God is like kudzu. How many of you know what kudzu is? Yeah? Kudzu is the most amazing plant. It came over here from Japan, brought over here in the late 1800s. And you know what it's often called? The vine that ate the south. And I believe it. Yeah, kudzu grows all over the place in South Carolina and throughout, you know, the southeast. And I think of the kingdom of God a lot like kudzu. You can't kill it. You can't stop it. You know, kudzu grows as much as 12 inches a day. The kingdom of God grows inch by inch, foot by foot, mile by mile, in and through the people of God, the church. That's how the kingdom grows. See, we are the link between God, our king, and a world in chaos. We're the ones God chooses to use in our lives as his partners to bring the kingdom in to our needy world. So, vision 13. Vision 13 is our plan over the next five years to partner with God in bringing the kingdom of God into East Orlando question. I want to ask you this. When you think of our church in the year 2013, see that's just five years away, what do you see? Let me ask it this way. If God were to use the people and the resources of UPC to the fullest extent possible, let's just imagine it for a moment. If God were to do that, What might our church and what might our community look like in the next five years, by the year 2013? See, this is what the elders have been talking about over the last three, four, five months, and we've been dreaming about the future. I want to just give you a brief overview. This is all it's going to be today, just a little bitty taste of what some of those dreams are. For example, we believe that UPC could be twice our present size five years from now. And can you think of the impact that we could make upon East Orlando if we were 1,200, 1,300, 1,500 people big? This year, thanks to your giving to Momentum, we bought and paid for 11 more acres of property right over there at Devonwood uh, Stables. We now own 26 acres of land. What are the possibilities for this piece of real estate? Ball fields for a sports ministry? Look, here's our site plan. Many of you have seen this. I don't know if you can see it all up close, but this is just an idea, okay? Nobody has agreed on all of these things, but these are some ideas for what these 26 acres might be looking like someday in the future. Could there be a counseling center here on our property by 2013? Could there be a youth building? Might there be a pavilion outside where we don't have to keep putting up the tent? for times of fellowship like we had today? Could there be an educational building in store for us in the years ahead? Or a new sanctuary, as is pictured there in the site plan? Might this building we're sitting in now one day be a gym and or a fellowship hall? Those are some of the questions 
that your elders, your deacons, your staff, your ministry teams are going to be working on this year and in the years to come. But let me paint the picture with a little more detail, okay? Five years from now, let's think 2013. Five years from now, if God gives the increase, I see that we will have three worship services. Not two, but three. I believe that our UCF students will fill not that part of our sanctuary, but maybe half of it or even more. There will be more people of color among us, making us more ethnically diverse. We'll have a disabilities ministry that enables us to minister to the disabled community in our world. We'll be an educated church. Our children and our youth will grow up and leave home And instead of losing their faith to the world, they'll transform their world with their faith. And of course, we'll have a larger staff that can meet more needs. I believe UPC will be a place where husbands and wives can come to gather the tools to have strong families and where we can equip young children and people, young people for being good husbands and wives themselves one day. And I see the people of UPC, you, going out from here week after week and living out the gospel in your homes, in your neighborhoods, transforming education and industry and politics and law enforcement and the arts and medicine, the sciences and culture to the glory of God. And make no mistake, now, this is not just about being bigger so that we have more people. It's not just about that. No, we'll be a better church in 2013. And the reason I say we'll be better is because we'll be a blessing to them, to them, those around us whom God has put around us to impact with the kingdom of God. East Orlando will be a better place to live because we're here. That's not arrogance. That's faith in a king who has a kingdom and uses ordinary, sinful, deeply flawed people like you and me for his glory. I believe that we'll continue to bless University High School and the Life Care Center and the homeless community, but we'll find other places where the light of the gospel has not yet shined and we'll show up and do something about it. Now, I'm talking five years out, but what about now? Let's bring it home to this year because the elders have thought about the five-year out thing. And here, by the way, are some current realities. I'm just going to let you see these. I'm not going to comment much on them. They speak for themselves, but I think it's important. Go ahead a little further. I think it's important for you to see sort of where we're at right now as we think about the year ahead. There's some numbers. Here's some numbers about who uh, is on our staff, our support staff, ministry teams, land, our mortgage, our annual budget. Those are some things I want you to keep in mind as we think and talk about the year ahead. Here's the deal. Your elders and I believe that this year, 2008-2009, is a vitally important year of preparation for 2013. We believe that what we do together this year is going to determine where we are five years from now. To quote Mark Bates... The next 12 months <laughs> are, the ne- are the most important 12 months in the life of our church. Four priorities for this year. Let me share these with you. Four things that we want to get your help 
to pour the best of our energies and the best of our resources in. And as I share these four priorities with you, let me also make you aware that our staff, from children to youth ministry on up, all have said these four things are going to drive their ministries too. So we're all in alignment. Four rea- four priorities. Number one, this year we're going to trust God and we want you to trust God with us for healthy numerical growth. We believe that UPC is really on the verge of, of making a bigger dent in our culture. The four-lane road that's going to be Rouse Road is no accident. More people are going to be exposed to what we have to offer here at UPC. We think that a 15% growth rate in our attendance is both realistic and beneficial this year. And so this year you're going to see and we're going to ask you to participate in helping us take some initiatives to reach out to people more aggressively and more lovingly and then keep them when they come. For example, we want to start an evangelism team. And later this fall, you're going to hear about some things we're wanting to do at Christmas. And we're going to ask you to help us with a Christmas outreach. That's priority one. Number two, another priority that we have for this year is to create an organic. And organic means alive. It also means kind of messy. Organic means that it starts at the grassroots and bubbles up. An organic ministry mindset among the people of UPC. Here's what I mean by this. In modern-day America, most people see the church as a service industry. Am I right? Most people see the church as a place to go to pay some professionals to do the things that you need done and to provide you some programs. We're going to turn that around because it's not biblical. Instead, ministry is about you. And so my job, our job as leaders is to equip you with the understanding that you can make things happen around here. We want to empower and release you for ministry, just as has been happening recently, where people get a vision for something and they move forward. And I want you to know that this is beginning next week. For the next one, two, three, four, five weeks, We're going to have a series of next steps during the Sunday morning worship service, and they're going to be focused on knowing God, that's next week, growing together, that's the week after that, and and serving others. Each week you come for the next five weeks, we're going to talk about and share some opportunities for you to be uh, enabled and equipped to do what must be done here at UPC. The third priority we want to focus on this year is to improve and expand our life group ministry. I've mentioned life groups already. You've heard them uh, given about uh, in a story or two this morning. Currently, about half of our adults are involved in small groups. And we believe that more of you will profit from life group uh, participation. And so we'd like to see that percentage rise from 50% to 65%. Um, Seth, by the way, is Seth Hammond, my assistant pastor, is taking this on as one of his biggest jobs And so I hope that you'll give Seth all your support. Finally, not only numerical growth, organic ministry mindset, expanding life groups, but in the fourth and last place, this is the most important priority. I've saved it to last for a reason. Because if we don't have number four, if God doesn't give us this fourth one, then no matter how much progress we make on these other three, it really won't matter. Brothers and sisters here at UPC, we want, we need spiritual revival. 
What is revival? Revival is a move of the Holy Spirit that changes lives and transforms communities. It is a sovereign work of God, the Holy Spirit, that we ask God and want God to bring us for His glory and our joy. If God will give revival to UPC, growth is going to happen. Giving is going to happen. Ministry is going to happen. Serving will happen. So will you do four things with us in order to seek revival from God? First, pray. We ask you to pray. And we have a prayer team now that's going to actually give you a plan by which you can pray collectively this fall, but pray. Second, repent. Repent of your Dixie cups. Were you here last Sunday? You heard Andy Johnson talking about the Dixie cups that we create to get ourselves out of messes. Repent of your Dixie cups. Turn from your idols to the living God. Repent of religion and turn to Jesus. Repent of your self-worship and worship the King. Repent of your pride and your self-righteousness and cling to the crucified. Thirdly, believe. Believe Psalm 145. Believe that God is a great king and has a great and wonderful kingdom. And finally, jump in. I'm asking you, jump in. Jump into this, these efforts that we're talking about. Don't be a spectator. Get in the game. And you'll notice many different ways to do that this year. Jump in. Get dirty with us. That God the king might use us to grow his kingdom like kudzu. Brothers and sisters, will you join hands with me? Will you get a vision for the king and a vision of our kingdom? And let's give our all to the king who gave his all for us. Let's pray. God, our king, we thank you that you are so trustworthy and good. And our prayer this morning is that you will choose in your grace to use our meager efforts for your great and glorious kingdom. We ask, O Lord, that you will fill us with your spirit and that you will send the wind of revival to us, that we might be right where you want us to be, that we might be broken people, that we might be people who are in love with you, who know what Jesus did for us on the cross and who think about it and preach that to ourselves all the time. Lord, use us, we pray. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.